Hello, everybody. It is great to be here one more time today. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I am the host of GSD Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. I'm the founder of GSD and a serial entrepreneur. I've been involved in 17 startups and several unicorns. I was on the original management team of Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion, and also EVA.ai and AIHR Tech Company. We believe that intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world, but opportunities are not. And with that, I'd like to bring our uh, amazing guest. Uh, so Iren is a serial entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, a TEDx presenter. I mean, on and on and on. Uh, BMW X, BMW Siemens Deloitte. She lives in Munich, Bavaria, Germany. She is incredible in terms of startups and has been involved. I got to say, I mean, she's got the most fascinating LinkedIn profile. I just put it out a little bit ago. It was 23 pages. She also has a doctorate. She went to the University of Bremen and has a doctorate in economics and social sciences. She went to the University of Warwick. She got a master's degree in supply chain and supply chain management a doctor of philosophy in supply chain, and also she is a coach trainer. With that, I'd like to bring her on. So hello, how are you? Hello, Gary. Yes, great. What's, ha what's happening in Germany these days? Oh my goodness, a lot going on. Lots of events, uh, lots of conferences, because I feel like uh, people are enjoying their times again after the pandemic situation. So tell me about it. How in the world, you know, first of all, what made you decide to get a doctorate? How I got my doctor? Yeah, why? Why did why? you decide to say, Okay, oh, yeah, to I'm be honest, um, actually, I wanted to pursue a scientific career, academic career. Uh, but then eventually I turned out to go going to industry, started working at BMW, but never forgot about my initial intention. So um, I started uh, giving lectures at different universities in Germany, in Austria. And then I decided to pursue my uh, PhD again, but I did it alongside my full-time job while I was at BMW, which was pretty tough. Wow, that's amazing. Now, do you have two PhDs? Because it's got one for Bremen and then Erlingen. A Nuremberg a PhD. Do you have two PhDs? No, I only have one. Um, I started in Nuremberg and then went on in Bremen. That's the reason. Ah, I got so it. Okay, got year, it. Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought we we're going to have to call you Dr. Doctor now, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> my mom said, stop it now. No more academic <laughs> titles. <laughs> Was it really hard while you were at BMW to get your doctorate? It was pretty tough, you know, because I was working working full time. I, I've been always side hustling, you know, like uh, entering the startup scene in the German speaking area. And then also doing my PhD on top was pretty intense. You know, I had to make lots of sacrifices, to be honest, you know. And if people ask me if I would do it again, probably not. I would already start uh, building companies. <laughs> so I have a question for you. You worked at Pioneer Electronics. Oh, that was the past. promotion and support <laughs> and marketing. Now I'm just curious. So you were promotional sales and marketing in car entertainment. Uh, so you were a student then at the time you were were working at Pioneer. Yes. 
I always supported them during exhibitions, conferences, etc., uh, promoting their products and um, helping out with marketing strategies and so on, because they felt that I was somehow talented <laughs> to well, do so. That's great. And did you enjoy it? Absolutely. It was some sort of starting point, right? To see like, okay, I'm really into everything that is very technical, very innovative. And at the same time, like also um, being public, you know, like at conferences, talking to people, building relationships, because this is also of major importance, right? If you want to try to sell products out there and everything that is related to um, new technologies really excited me. So um, I learned where I want to go in the future. That's interesting because I remember Blaupunk. I don't know. You remember Blaupunk and Blaupunk. Oh yes, yeah, I remember it. How do you oh, know? They were amazing systems. I don't know what happened to them, but I love the Bluepoint. Right? Isn't Blaupunk Bluepoint in German? But they were amazing, amazing Carsteras uh, mm. at the time. So yes, absolutely. Also, Pioneer did this amazing flat screens, but now they are not producing them anymore. Wonder why that is interesting. So you went to Amazon. What made you decide to go to Amazon and vendor management? Yeah, actually, when I finished my studies, it was pretty much um, by the end of the financial crisis. And I was, in fact, looking for a job in the area of uh, vendor management, procurement, supply chain management, logistics. And this sounded like something exciting where I could uh, bring all my competencies and all my interests together in one position. So that's the reason why. Uh, Did you enjoy it? Yes, absolutely. It was um, something totally different for me to work for an American company, because in the past I used to work a lot for German companies, I think also one Dutch company and of course Pioneer Japanese company. And it was a totally different uh, organizational culture for me. What's the difference between the American culture and the German culture in business? Totally, totally performance focused. You have to perform from day one. You don't have this, uh, so to say, time span where you can onboard and um, familiarize with your new duties and responsibilities. You have to perform really high performing culture. And it felt as if everyone was um, very high potential, you know? So this is the first thing that I noticed, of course. And um, there was no limitation how long you work. For example, in Germany, it's pretty common that uh, you say it's five o'clock and I'm leaving now, right? Really? Yes, yes. Most traditional German companies, but at Amazon and other um, American companies I experienced, it's there's no such way, you know? You can work until eight, nine, it doesn't matter, you know? Really interesting. So it sounds yeah. like working for the German company is better in terms of uh, quality of life. <laughs> you never know, right? There are many differences <laughs> in interesting. there. So then you worked with a project strategic procurement for local China content. What was that about? So you did, uh, mm. you were working for BMW, right? In the uh, yes. BMW 5 Series. How was that? It was amazing. You know, I just started, I was mid 20 and the next older colleague was 43 so we had a difference of 18 years so i was the youngest and 
of course, at the beginning, I faced some prejudices. They always said, like, oh, you're so young, it's dynamic, full of energy. Of course, you think you can change the world, but just do it a couple of years, it will change, <laughs> right? Um, however, my, my main um, role working at uh, China localization was um, maybe for the audience to better um, understand the context. Um, in China, when people drive a BMW, they don't drive it uh, themselves. Um, they have a chauffeur. So they're sitting at the back. So those cars are a bit longer than the traditional models that we sell here in really? Germany. Really? No, I didn't know that. That's even, interesting. Yes, yes, absolutely. Even in the 5 Series, they're longer? Yes. The 3 Series, the 5 Series are longer, much longer. Even the 7 Series. And That's I was responsible for the 5, five Series. That's really interesting. So now you stayed there five years. Did they give you a deal on a BMW? No, unfortunately not. Maybe I should have better negotiated. I was going to say, you know, <laughs> the US car companies, a lot of times they give their employees really good deals. Mm -hmm. so you no, that has changed. You know, that's in fact, when I started, I got the new contracts. We don't have the contracts that people used to have 20, 30 years ago, you know. And the interesting thing is, for example, um, you also have like 35 hours contracts, right, um, at uh, BMW. And um, it can also happen for people who started there long, long time ago that once um, they can't get higher salaries anymore, they reduce their weekly hours. So there are people who only need to work 28 hours because they already reached the salary limit. So they had a very good work-life balance. Oh my God, that's great. I but love it. It didn't apply for our new contracts, right? So Wow. So you could you could be a BMW, work 28 hours a week, and that's it. Four days and you can have the rest of the time off. Yes, yes, definitely. So that's many people, right? So they only worked like three and a half days a week or so. But in fact, those were people with the contracts from 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that. So, you know, as you fast forward, you went over to Siemens. You spent one year there as a senior consultant. So mm -hmm. not a lot of time, but then you went to Deloitte. So what made you decide to go into consulting? You went into strategy and operations. What made you decide to do that? Yes, in fact, um, because I noticed that I want to work more strategically. I want to implement new initiatives. Um I want to have an impact, right? And with the job that I did uh, beforehand, it wasn't possible, you know, because everything was slow and um, we didn't have such an open culture for innovation. Nowadays, it has, it has changed definitely. But at my time, it was pretty tough. You know, you were always fighting, you know, to get uh, concepts and new strategies through because, mm -hmm. of course, you had people, um, which is pretty common in German companies that you have um, people serving there for um, for decades, you know, and they're really reluctant to change things, you know, and uh, want to keep their work-life balance. So I saw it as an opportunity because I've been working um, at different projects with consultants together. And I thought, oh, that might be potentially something for me as well. So that's why um, I went to in-house consulting. And there I noticed that it's pretty much um, the same as if you were just uh, doing, performing normal um, activity. 
because in-house consultancy is totally different to being an ex external consultant because they still consider you as one of their colleagues, you know? So it's very difficult uh, for you still to make some changes. That's what I noticed uh, when I worked at Deloitte because I had major projects, for example, for the European Central Bank or for um, investment companies, you know, and it was a total different experience for me, but very exciting, I have to say. Interesting. So then you went to Faster Capital. What made you decide? So you go over, you know, helping startups get up and running, but what made you decide to go over to Faster Capital? So your regional partner and business startup consultant, mm. what made you decide to do that? Actually, I wasn't employed there. It was one of my side hustles. You know, I was there on a contractual basis, like a partner, as you know, for example, also for Startup Network. I'm not employed there, but um, I do it um, alongside my my actual activities. Um, so in fact, they approached me, you know, because um, at that time I started entering the startups ecosystem in um, Germany. And then they were looking for a strong partner um, in Germany. And um, that's why I said, yes, why not? Just give it a try, right? So at that time I was also already working as an um, expert advisor for the European Innovation Council, which was also very, very exciting. Mm -hmm. And um, because when actually I applied there and they um, asked for many different requirements and I didn't fulfill, I think, 80 percent, only 20 percent, but I still mm -hmm. applied, which is uh, pretty much of a difference between me and other female um, entrepreneurs out there, you know, because when they see like, oh, I can only um reach uh 20 percent no way i'm gonna apply and then mm -hmm. i said like no actually i want to do it i have a passion for it i don't care if one um, requirement was for example i needed at least 12 up to 15 years of experience and i only had like six or seven i still applied you know mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> and they asked um to be in the startup ecosystem already like at least 10 years and I was just like one or two years, but I didn't care. I just applied. <laughs> you got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you got it. That's amazing. So then you did that. And now why in the world did you want to go to, uh, you you went to Bits and Pretzels. You did that for startup events. But the Global Business College, what made you decide to become a lecturer? Oh, I already started being a lecturer while I was at BMW. Um, I started at the University of uh, Munich applied science um, and it was pretty funny because I was below 30 when I did it and I didn't have a PhD because most of the universities in Germany ask you to have a PhD um, and most of the time I don't know you're mid 30 when you start doing it right mm -hmm. and and I also got um, an MBA module which is also quite exceptional you know so again here i didn't <laughs> i didn't fulfill the requirements but still they took me because um i had a trial lecture in front of i think there were three professors and there was a a class with students and they all voted for me so they said like amazing exciting so uh do it right and then um People came up to me and said, like, oh, you've been already lecturing. Um, you received great evaluations. People um, kept recommending me as well. Most of the things I'm doing right now is because people from my network recommended me at the end of the day. So the good thing is always like to have your, the first foot 
somewhere. And then when you're good at something and people uh, perceive you as being competent and professional, more and more assignments will come to you. Wow, that's, that's what great. Experienced, in fact. So then you became a Munich University of Applied Sciences lecturer too. Yes, also in uh, Salzburg, um, other <laughs> cities in Germany that people might probably not know, but that's the way it went. Well, it sounds like you're pretty active. You were at LinkedIn Local doing community events. Yeah, we are the first ones, by the way. Really? Many, many times I've been the first one. It's pretty exciting. I don't know, but I think I was also the, the first black female uh, working at BMW not as a secretary. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> and being an engineer. And um, here again, I was also the, the first one. Wow, that's incredible. Doing this in the German in the German speaking area. In fact, um yes, it started I think in the UK, in the US, and then um we said we got to do it also uh, for the German-speaking era. And so since I live in Munich and it's the headquarter of the GSA region, um, yes, I teamed up with a partner and then we started doing this local events supported also by the managing director of the GSA region at that so, time. I mean, you seem really, really busy. So what do you do for fun? What I do for fun. Yeah. Um, yes, I love um, meeting my friends, going out, uh, having a nice dinner. And I love to travel and uh, I travel a lot. But unfortunately, I don't have so much time to always walk around and see some a bit of culture. I love architecture. Um, I love working around my home, like decorating it. Um, yes, working on furniture processing furniture i love that i love i mm. also enjoy cooking i love cooking for friends and um what i can't do is to cook small portions it always gets big and big and big and large because i grew up i was the the eldest in uh, of my siblings in my family and so i'm only used to cook for a lot of people you know so wow, when I try to cook, cool. <laughs> for one or two people, it's always a lot. So I call up people say like, I still have lots of food and they all come over. <laughs> and uh, and now, do you cook German food or what kind of food do you like to cook? Um, actually, I like to try out lots of things, but uh, okay. my favorite dish would be African and Asian. And sometimes I just try to mix it up, you know. I'm very creative cooking. I don't cook by recipes. Many people say like... Um, yeah, I'm gifted in, in cooking because um, I'm just trying out stuff. And sometimes when I go somewhere and eat something, I can tell you how it has been cooked. Wow, that's amazing. So you're like an inside cooker. And, you know, so um, so tell me a little bit about what's happened in the German startup ecosystem today and specifically in Munich. I mean, do you see companies starting to since we're coming through covid you see more companies now? What's happening with the ecosystem? Yes, absolutely. Um, Munich is progressing. And some people are even, um, yes, assuming that uh, it might um, it might take over Berlin because uh, people are saying like, okay, Berlin was pretty much B2C focused and most of the business models are, are already out there. So, more startups are trying to 
go to Munich because here is the B2B industry. Most of the large corporations are here, even um, the ones from the US who have their headquarters, German headquarters or UP headquarters in, uh, in Munich. And it's uh, pretty um, exciting to see how it's flourishing. And of course, we live in Bavaria. It's the richest state uh, in Germany. They are putting lots of investment, lots of money into the Bavarian ecosystem. So it's uh, pretty much growing, right? And we can already see um, Munich being among top 10 of the startup ecosystems in Europe, which is a great um, advancement. No, that's great. No, I, I love it. I actually, um, uh, James Mister, who's one of the Bavarian representatives in the U.S., American mm -hmm. actually, um, yeah. and uh, you know we've I've spoken at a number of his events. It's just incredible mm -hmm. what's happening in Bavaria. Yes, absolutely. And what I really really like about um, the German ecosystem, they are strongly trying to promote diversity here. Which is pretty important, you know. Um, maybe for you to know, to know. I don't know how it is in the US. Maybe you can tell me. But we currently have only sixteen percent female founders and only eight percent um, female investors. Right. I don't know if you can recall the event that I uh, started in cooperation with Startup Network and Svenja Larsen from formerly known as Prime Crowd. Um, this hashtag 25 to 25 with the aim of increasing the number of female entrepreneurs and founders um, from 16% to 25% by 2025, you know? And it's very amazing to see that many um, people out there have been following this hashtag. We even have the Female Business um, Angel Association in Germany who follow this uh, hashtag and many other uh successful entrepreneurs and the support system is pretty pretty good you know but i think it's only the starting point because right now we're focusing on gender diversity but there are also many other diversity dimensions to consider you know for example i'm strongly also promoting with joint generations the age factor um, I've been visiting Bertelsmann Stiftung. Um, it's a large, one of the largest foundations we have here in Germany. And uh, we've been talking about um, what kind of relevance it has, your age has, when you want to start a business, right? You, you might be perceived as too young to be able to take on responsibility or to make the right decisions. And then on the other hand side, you might be perceived as too old and um, maybe not potentially be able to uh, repay your credits and so on. There's so many stereotypes and prejudices around age, for example. And then next we have, of course, the cultural background. And um, I've recently read a study where they said that um, I think nearly 80% of founders are Caucasian, you know? Well, I mean, the thing is, it's, you know, the, the you know, we have about a third of our companies are from Africa today in GSD, the mm. current cohort. And we're finding, I mean, there's 1.4 billion people in 54 countries and places like Nigeria that have what, 100 and, or excuse me, 260, 255 million people. I mean, it's mm. a burgeoning economy and people, you know, you got to go where other people don't go. So you go to Kenya, Absolutely. Uh, Namibia. Zambia, Ghana. I'm just talking about where we have come from. Congo. <laughs> I mean, all over. I mean, the situation is, you know, we, and it's really interesting too, because 
a lot of the founders have repatriated back, but they've gone to Stanford or Harvard or MIT or Oxford. Haven't seen many from Germany, but I've seen them come. Uh, one, actually. I've seen them come back to the home countries because there's so much opportunity that's untapped. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. And, you know, and the other thing is, you're right. You know, we say intellectual capacity is evenly spread, but opportunities uh, are not, you know, uh, about it depends on the cohort anywhere from 30 to 40 percent are female entrepreneurs but we need to have more of them come out you know they need to also get out and get into the ecosystem what you're doing and i'm really you know proud of it you know the Absolutely. the other thing is we got to work together i mean we have so many challenges on this planet today war 200 active conflicts around the world and we all know what's happening in the ukraine you know we got to figure out how to work together to solve these complex problems global warming climate uh, situation. We've got to look at uh, population increase from 8.1 billion to 13 billion by the end of the century. We got to look at, we can't even get a roll of toilet paper uh, during the pandemic. And yet we have quantum computers. What's wrong with that picture? You know, the supply chain's broken. Mm-hmm. We get a insight. At the same time, you know, we've got 6 billion Earth like planets in the Milky Way galaxy, estimated 2.2 trillion galaxies in the universe. We got a lot of exploring to do. And we need to figure out how to work together instead of, you know, how to try to always, um, you know, get into the middle of, of uh, situations and create adversity. We got to figure out how to work together. And we have to do it. It's not like we have a choice. By 2050, we got to double the food supply to feed everybody, and we can't increase the number of cows because 26% of the pollution is methane gas from cattle. Like, okay, let's work on plant-based protein. This is, you know, I'm not a, listen, I grew up on a farm in Pennsylvania. So on the farm in Pennsylvania, we had simple rules, milk cows, eat tassel corn, get up early in the morning, work hard, those kind of things. And we need to figure out how to work together, how to help people to be able to feed their families. And, you know, if you can feed your family, you're not as likely to go, in my opinion, to go to places like Boko Haram or ISIS because you're taking care of your family. Let's work together. It's not easy. Right. We're only here one time. Right. Let's go down through most religions. We believe that. But we need to go down through and figure out how to make this help each other. And if we help each other, everybody lives better. You're able to meet with your family, take care of your family, take care of your friends. And, and let's do that. Let's make the world a better place. That would be awesome, right? That nobody's excluded because we can only make our future work if everyone is part of it, no matter what age, what gender, what cultural background, what social background, whatsoever. This is so, so important. I agree. Yeah, so what you're doing is incredible. And, you know, we're fully supportive of what you're doing. Listen, we're coming up to the top of the hour. I want to find out, Lo, tell us what you're working on today and and for our audience out there, um, you know, how they might be able to get involved in it. Oh, there's a lot going on right now. Um, Pretty much at the end of the year we are here right now. So um, at the moment, um, I'm supporting several startups in their branding, in their marketing strategy, in particular in the social impact area, because I have a passion for that. Um, And then also, um, yeah, I'm also in the advisory and uh, probably also potentially in the next next couple of uh, weeks in uh, the supervisory board of a scale up that is doing amazing things like to um 
I can't say so much, however, but it's um, it has to do with uh, representing the underrepresented and bringing them forward. And those are things that I really like doing, you know, because in the past I was always happy when I worked with corporates together, for example, right? Like um, educating them in a corporate influencer strategy, like showing them how to turn their employees into value and brand ambassadors of the company. But it wasn't enough for me because I said like, Oh, I have this, I have this great network. I'm a relationship builder and I've learned a lot through my time being at corporates, um, working for associations, working at university in research and so on. And I should be doing something that has an in impact, right? Like to, to support society to progress further. And what I'm also doing, of course, because I have myself an African background, that I should also try to help build up um, the African ecosystem. And that's what I'm heading towards uh, to step by step. And, you know, sometimes in life it happens, like when you, you come up with an idea, then people will approach you, the right resources, the right opportunities approach you. So there are many different opportunities arising right now. So still, because um, I cannot uh, split myself into uh, many parts, <laughs> I have to um, make my judgments and say like, okay, what do I want to get involved into and where I can't due to my um, limited capacities, of course. No, well, it sounds like you've got a lot of things going on and it's great you're supporting the ecosystem. It's great you're working with impact and, you know, it's great to be able to make this world a place, better place by bringing female entrepreneurs and the uh, disadvantaged together because that's where the real growth is. So how do people reach you? So if they want to get, is it LinkedIn, Facebook? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, of course, the best way they can reach me on Instagram and Facebook, but LinkedIn is uh, my number one platform where I'm the most active because um, still I'm operating in the B2B um, sector. So LinkedIn might be okay. the best. All right. Sounds good. Listen, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. It's always great to see you. And uh, thank I you so much. It's been, yeah. <laughs> So uh, thank you. And to my audience out there, thank you for joining one more time. GSD presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I'm your host. I'll be back for another exciting edition next Tuesday. Stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy. I'll see you soon. Thanks again. I really appreciate your time. Take care, everybody. See you next week.